What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatella Kitayas podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Wednesday, June the 23rd, year 2021. Got a jam-packed show of all things NBA playoffs and Major League Baseball. Get into the absolute dumpster fire and the uh, controversies galore within Major League Baseball and this uh, new round of inspection of umpires checking out pitchers for illegal substances. Uh, preview the Eastern Conference Finals, which uh, tips off tonight. Recap games one and two, two specifically, and the absolute classic that was between the uh, L.A. Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. We'll uh, recap the uh, we'll recap the Suns, the Nets, and the 76ers getting knocked out, uh, which occurred which in the last uh, week or so, in the last six days, excuse me, since we last chatted uh, over this past weekend. And, uh, and that's where we will begin here on this Wednesday program. Hope you all are doing well. There will be a show Saturday, so no need to uh, so no need to worry about that. So no need to worry about that. Um, so let's get right into it. As far as the Utah, as far as uh, the Jazz, the Nets, and the Seventy Sixers will do the teams that got that have gotten knocked out uh, for the last couple of days first. Then we'll take a break, and then we will get on to the Clippers and the Suns of the Western Conference Finals. But where we begin on this uh, on this Wednesday uh, is with the was with the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, who uh, who had an absolute classic of a basketball game, at least from a L.A. Clippers standpoint, on Friday night, in which the Utah Jazz uh, are going to be kicking themselves, and Donovan Mitchell and everything else are going to be kicking themselves for the rest of the summer leading into next season, as uh, the as the Utah Jazz had a 25 point lead go up and go up and smoke, and had uh, and had uh, Terrence Mann who what yeah Terrence Mann, uh, shooting guard for LA who played played 36 who played 36 minutes scored 39 points, 15 of 21 from the field, seven of 10 from three, had two rebounds, one assist, two steals in the game, and uh, and had the game of his life. He had ne- at, on the collegiate or at the NBA level prior to last fr- this past Friday night, he had never scored more than 25 points in an NBA game, scored 39 that night. He was the last player to score 14 plus points in a playoff game than his previous the last player, excuse me, to score 14 or more points in a playoff game than his previous career high. That was Michael Jordan in the 63-point game he had against the Celtics in the playoffs of 86. Uh, and I mean, that I mean that is absolutely, he had the game of his life. I mean, unless you are a diehard Clipper fan or watch the Clippers on a game-in, game-out basis, one of those two options, you know, you, Terrence Mann, I mean, who, what? I mean, and he goes out there, shoots uh, 15 to 21 from the field, 70% from three, uh, perfect at the free throw line, got to the free throw line only to shoot two, he was two of two, and scored 39 points, and was the Clippers all-time, oh, not all-time, but was the Clippers' leading scorer in the game on Friday night as Reggie Jackson got in on the party. He scored 27 points, 10 to 16 from the field. 
Paul George was 10 of 24, 28 points, and and Batum scored six. Batum scored 16 points, and Patrick Beverly got in on the party. Was three of four from the field, and all four of those shots were threes, and ended up and scored 12 points in the game. So, and we'll get to Utah in a minute, but just uh, and this is what I would have said had I had had I would have uh, came on here uh, on Juneteenth. Do you want to talk about a phenomenal effort? And just, I mean, you gotta give the you gotta give the LA the LA Clippers all the freaking credit in the world. This team does not this team does not say die. They were down two zero to down two zero to Dallas in the opening round. They were down two zero here to Utah. They both in both of those series came out of the two zero came out of those two zero deficits. And you know Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard goes Kawhi Leonard goes down and is unavailable for and is unavailable for Game Five. Paul George puts his team on his back and has the the best performance he's had in the post season thus far in Utah to give the Clippers a 3-2 series lead. Then they come back home knowing with all the pressure on them because they, they know and they've heard all the noise that if they would have lost game six, the chances of them winning in, without Kawhi Leonard in a game seven where Utah has all the, all the momentum in Salt Lake City, you know, it, the chances of uh, the Clippers winning that game seven wouldn't have been in their favor. So they know that. They took advantage of that. You can't ask Paul, I mean, it wouldn't. Be, it, it's not a tough ask, but it'd be hard to ask Paul George say, "Hey, go out there and drop, uh, drop 35, 40 plus, uh, plus points in back-to-back game." He didn't spit the bit. He had, scored 28 points, so he did his job. But give all the credit in the world to Reggie Jackson, who picked up the slack, and Terrence Mann, who had the game of his life at this point in time of his young NBA career, dropping 39 points on Utah on Friday night. And and it's and I heard this, and I heard a little, uh, and I heard. A little bit at the end of the game late on Friday night into Saturday and it's an accurate point you know you you know you you can't say that well Tyron Lue is an MB, you know he rode the coattails because you know if you have you can win if you have LeBron James on your team that's not the case this is a guy this is starting now is Tyron Lue at that point he's going to be considered all-time great no but he's good NBA head he's good NBA head coach I mean granted he had LeBron James on the team but he's the only coach in the history of the NBA coaching an NBA finals to come back from a 3-1 series deficit when three straight games to win the series and win the NBA championship he's granted LeBron James is on the team I understand all that but he's the only coach in the history of the league to do that in an NBA finals he also and give him credit where credit is due with with the job he's done coaching with the Clippers so far down 0-2 to Luka and the uh and the Dallas and the Dallas Mavericks they come back to win that series in seven games and then they were down 0 2 to Utah when it looks like it was going to be Donovan, it was going to be the Donovan Mitchell show. And uh, and all oh, look at the LA Clippers uh, once again, they cannot they can't do and can't and they don't have what it takes to make it to a uh, Western Conference final. He he gets that team up and has Paul George and Reggie Jackson and and Kawhi Leonard say, Look, this is not this series, is this series and our season is not over yet until we say it is. They picked themselves up by their bootstraps, came back from a 2 0 series deficit ended up winning the game ended up winning the series in six games and the phenomenal coaching job he did winning in that hostile environment in game five in Salt Lake City with the phenomenal performance that Paul George had and and the great defense that they played on Utah when they couldn't make a three 
uh, to save their lives in Game 5, and then they come back home to Staples in Game 6, and and you get Terrence Mann, Paul George, uh, and Reggie Jackson all to score uh, 25 points, all to score 25 points or more against second straight game with all the pressure on them where, you know, where, where the national media and probably me included is going to essentially write off the Clippers if that would have went to a, if that series would have went to a game seven with all the pressure on game six, the starting game at home doing what no Clipper team before them has ever done. And that's make it to a Western conference finals and they get, and they get the job done. Now, what now, what, how well they do and they're down 2-0 to Phoenix and we'll get to them uh, to close out the segment, but it's into that series to close out the segment. But, how they respond down 2-0 in Phoenix will be interesting to see. And if the and and you got to get you got to give Tyron and and it's kind of and he's kind of been overshadowed because it's kind of been overshadowed by the fact that the Clippers have had these players that have stepped up Paul George of course and and have kind of been overshadowed by Monty by the coaching job that Monty Williams uh, has done for the for the Phoenix Suns and overshadowed by uh, when the Knicks were in the playoffs on the job that um that uh, Tom Thibodeau did and of course the Hawks with their coach and the phenomenal run that they were on and they so he's kind of been over he's been overshadowed at this point in time in the playoffs by by uh, Monty Williams and then of course the and then of course uh, the situation with the Hawks coach and uh, that whole dynamics so he's kind of been overshadowed but it's about time uh now he now he gets credit cuz again no clipper coach doc rivers no clipper coach has been able to get the clippers to the conference finals in their in their uh, in their franchise history so depending so regardless what happens they deserve credit to their first time going congratulations here's your trophy it's about damn time but but Tyron Lue deserves credit as being a good nba coach you know Three, the only coach in the history of the NBA. History. History. Now, you know, Riley, Phil Jackson, they didn't do it because, again, their teams were so good that they weren't down 3-1 in the NBA playoffs, or excuse me, in the NBA finals. But give, And I understand, again, he's got LeBron sitting there, but, but still, 3-1, 3-1 lead, only coach in the history of the NBA to do that. And being down 2-0. With the, with the Clippers in in back to back series now three series in a row we'll see how they uh, how they respond and see if they get off the Schneid as the series uh, go, uh, heads to L A for the first time heads back to uh, not heads back to but heads to Staples between them and Phoenix but give Tyron Lue credit he's a good coach good coach and a coaching job that he did in those last two games of the series against Utah that he deserves to be commended because he because he's done an excellent job been again been overshadowed because Thibodeau with the Knicks and Monty Williams with the Suns and and Doc Rivers has been getting all of the all of the attention for all the wrong reasons and we'll get to him in a minute um but so he's kind of been overshadowed in these NBA playoffs but give him credit he's done a phenomenal job so far for uh, for the Clippers phenomenal job but then you go to Utah and Quinn Snyder. I mean, oy vey. I mean, how in God? I mean, how in the world are you up twenty-five points, twenty-five points in an elimination game when the Clippers are without Kawhi Leonard and you somehow, some way, blow it? I mean, my, I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, Donovan Mitchell he gave it everything he had, thirty-nine points. But my goodness gracious, I mean, how about Rudy Gobert, Mister uh, Defensive Player of the Year, who vomited all over himself in that Game Six on Friday night? Vomited all over themselves. Vomited. Vomited. 
I mean, you got to be kidding me. Since the seeding began in, in 84, the Clippers are the sixth team to erase a 2-0 series deficit against the number one seed in the best of seven series. Number one seeds are now 109-6 and six when leading 2-0 when leading in a best of seven series since 84. Um, do I have another stat for you? Uh, yes, I do. Clippers, like I previously mentioned, are the first team in NBA history to win the series after being down 0-2 twice in the same uh, postseason. To give Tyron Lue credit. He... Coached, he's coached his ass. He's coached his ass off in this post in this postseason so far. Coached his ass off. Now, what happens as far as what the, what happens between them and uh, and Phoenix deserves to be, is yet to be determined. But but he has he played his played his or not played coached his ass off. Coached his ass off. Give him credit. He's done a phenomenal job. But getting back to Utah and Quinn Snyder, I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, Rudy Gobert couldn't play worse defensively on Friday night. I mean, the open shots that, that Rudy Gobert was letting up. I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, I do not understand how you blow a 25-point lead in an elimination, an elimination playoff game when you, it looks like we you no know Kawhi Leonard. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, game seven between the Bucks and the Nets on Saturday night was absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal basketball game. Uh, Bucks went at one fifteen, one eleven, and it's just—I mean, what a phenomenal! And I thought that series, and I thought that series after the first two games was going to be a quick, you know, four or five games, and that was it. Now, don't get me wrong. If uh, if Kawhi, if uh, Kawhi, if Kyrie Irving and/or James Harden are healthy throughout this entire series, this series did not go to full seven games, I grant you that, but who would have thought that this series would have went to full seven games? Give Milwaukee credit, and give Milwaukee credit because unlike uh, unlike Philadelphia, which we'll get to, they showed a little, they showed some mental toughness and didn't get too down on themselves and didn't, uh, and didn't uh, relish in their uh, in their game five in their game five uh, choke job against Brooklyn uh, against Brooklyn last week. They you know they came back and they responded. They came back and responded and took the series to the full seven games when Budenholzer and Milwaukee and Giannis and Middleton everybody else was getting dragged by everyone, including yours truly, for their uh, pathetic choke job that they had last week. So give them all the credit in the world for showing uh, some grit and showing some mental toughness and and uh, you know that's why that's why you play the games. You know, and this is going to be a theme and a point here that I'm going to bring home with the Nets. You know, just because, you know, this isn't street ball, this isn't, you know, pick, this isn't, you know, pick up, a, you know, during your gym period, this isn't, you know, playing, uh, this isn't your three on three, your five on five at your local YMCA or on the blacktop in the summertime. This isn't NBA 2K, my team. This is why you, this is why you play the games. This is why you play the games just because you, because not, and, and in all sports. And all sports, not necessarily now more time now it happens more times than not in the NBA than it does all the other sports. But the best teams do not, do not, in, at least in the pros, do not always win a championship. So you know you, sometimes you have a few out, sometimes you have a few outliers. But the best team, record wise or by roster on paper, does not always win a championship. You know, the 73 Golden State Warriors did not, did not win at all. 
So, so more times than not, the best team in the NBA more times than not does win does win a championship more times than it does in Major League Baseball more times than it does uh, the NFL. You know, the NFL, for instance, you get you get wild card teams that win the Super Bowl a la the two a la the 2007 uh, New York Giants, the 2020 uh, the 2020 uh, the 2020 Bucks. You know, the uh, the Chiefs in 2019 they did they were not the best team record wise and seating wise the NFL that year I believe the Ravens I think it was either who is now I think I think it was the was it the Ravens I think the Ravens had the be- had the best record in the NFL if not they certainly had the best record in the AFC the Chiefs were the two seed the Ravens were the one seed you know they don't you know that's an example baseball it doesn't happen I, the in 2006 when the Cardinals I think they won 86 or 88 games something like that they ended up winning the World Series the 2015 Royals their win total was in the I believe their win total was in the uh, was in the uh, was in the high 80s. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't win it. They didn't win it. I could be wrong. Let me. Let me make. Let me make sure I check that to make sure I'm accurate. I know the, the 2014. The 2014 Royals. Okay, so I, okay, so not the fifth. Okay, so not the fifteen Royals that won it all. The four, the fourteen Royals, which went to the World Series and won eighty nine games, they were a wild card team. They went to the World Series. The giant, the San Francisco Giants, who they played in that fourteen World Series, they won. Uh, how many games did they win that season? Um, they won uh, eighty eight games and were a wild card team as well. They won the World Series. Best team in the National League in 2004. Best team in the National League in 2014 was uh, was the Saint was the uh, Saint. No, wait, who the hell was it? The best team in the National League in 2014 uh, was the uh, was Washington Nationals. Best team in the American League in 2014 was the uh, was the was the Angels. None of those teams ended up going to the World Series. So it hap- so it happens all the time in sports. Again, not as often as the NBA as it does in the other sports, um, but it does happen, and it and it does happen more regular more regular day than you think. And again, not always the best team regular season wise and by roster wins at all so for the Brooklyn Nets who walked around all season long with the attitude and with the mindset that the Larry O'Brien trophy was just going to be handed to them on a silver platter because they had Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Blake Griffin on the team it's not going to be the case you still got to go out there and compete and play on a game in game out basis on a day in day out basis and you still got to play to win the games because sports the ultimate reality show and, and it's not rigged it's not scripted because if it was scripted, you would you'd have the you'd have the Nets, you'd have the Nets and the Knicks in the conference finals, and you'd have and you'd have uh, the Clippers and the Lakers and the uh, the Clippers and the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and it'd be and you'd have Lakers and Nets in the in the NBA Finals already. The, this is the ultimate reality show. It's not scripted. It's it's you know you, it's spontaneous as hell, and you never know what's going to happen on the game in game out series and series out. Based. And nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. 2007 Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl, for a perfect example. You know, the 2011 Packers, which I think went had a regular season record of 15 and one, I believe, got knocked out in the first round by the got knocked out uh, got knocked out by the Giants in 2011. They when they went 15 and one. 
best best regular season record in the NFL that year. They didn't win the Super Bowl. The uh, the um I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think. Um the the Dodgers in 2000 and um ninth in the Dodgers in 2019 best team in the, best team in the National League best team in all of baseball won over 100 games that season got bounced in the first round got bounced in the first round by the Nationals who were a wild card team 73 Warriors didn't win the whole thing so just because you have Durant it's not it's not guaranteed you saw, and it's and it's per, and it's and I've heard this a lot, and and the people that have that have said it, Stephen A. Smith, my man Chris Russo, they've made excellent points. This is karma for the Nets, and how they urinated, for lack of a better word, all over the NBA season. This is pay, this is payback for Harden, for Harden act like a complete ass when he gained weight and and walking around looking like fat albert and looked like he couldn't and looked like that he and acted like he didn't give a damn about his uh, about a, about the rockets the rockets organization the rockets fans uh his rockets teammates his new uh his new rockets head coach and walked around and essentially half assed it uh the first month and a half of the season way back in the winter time if y'all remember correctly and simply did not give a damn and ate his way out of Houston to get, to go join up and team up with Irving that was disgraceful that was unacceptable totally unprofessional and uh and uh, unbecoming payback for him doing that and act like an ass and I don't find it a now you don't ever want anybody to get hurt and you sure as hell don't root for anyone to get hurt but you better believe that was divine that was divine payback um from the basketball gods or from God or where or from a higher power from him blowing off Houston the way he did and getting to Brooklyn to the way he did, it's no coincidence why, uh, why he was injured and and essentially not a factor for a big chunk of this series against Milwaukee. It's also no coincidence why Kawhi or excuse me why uh, why Kyrie Irving hurt his ankle and did not and did not play uh, the rest and did not play the rest of his series because of how he acted you know stomping on the Celtics logo when they beat Boston in the you know in the uh, in their first round series uh in their first round not not their first round series their uh their second round series um when when they played Boston in the postseason uh not not a surprise not I'm not shocked that that happened you know he he took that foot and vehemently stomped on the Celtics logo at midcourt thinking he was going to get away with it you know him blowing off his teammates and not notifying Nash not notifying Sean Marks the GM or even the owner uh, about him essentially just for the hell of it because he felt like because he wanted to just taking random days off because he didn't feel like playing basketball all that catches up to you you reap what you show. So actions have consequences, and that was divine payback for. And that was divine payback for Harden the way he acted to get out of Houston back in the winter time, and the whole charade and just the whole foolishness that Kyrie Irving was was pulling off all season long, blowing off his team, not showing up on road trips, load managing for the hell of it, and then bouncing in the club with his sisters at birthday parties with no masks on. Uh, not notifying his teammates, not know if notifying his head coach that he that he isn't showing up to work. All that all catches up with you, and it's not a surprise that the Brooklyn Nets went home 
and that uh, and that uh, the wounded moose and that the wounded moose in this series were Harden and uh, Kyrie Irving because how they acted throughout this entire season was absolutely despicable. And another thing too, you know, you don't essentially just because you know, and it, and life doesn't work that way. You can't all of a sudden just turn you know, this again. This isn't two uh, K my team. You and those guys, those the big three played as little time as possible with all three of them out there to out there on the court at the same time played I mean I think like the I think you know they they hadn't played all three of each other prior to the postseason I don't think that all three of them played collectively on a consistent basis prior to the postseason since sometime in like late February or something you know and which you can't do because when you're on the team and it's basketball where you kind of where you have to have that chemistry you have to you know know the plays know where everyone's going to be on the court at this scenario and who which person has the ball who to rebound all that sort of stuff you can't just throw yourself in there throw the three of them out there on the court in a game scenario game time in front of uh in front of uh, 20,000 people say all right let's go let's go ahead and run it like it's mb like it's 2k21 don't work that way that's not how the real world works and that's not how the real nba works you actually have to play with each other on a consistent basis throughout the regular season to build up to build up rapport and to build up a sense of uh chemistry amongst amongst themselves so when they go out there on the court they don't look like a horse's ass and and they're dysfunctional turn over the basketball left and right and we and people and certain guys aren't getting shots but give Milwaukee credit they showed a tremendous mental fiber in this series and great grit give Kevin Durant all the credit in the world uh, even though he lost he played one of the greatest playoff series you're ever going to see game one scored 29 points game two 32 game three 30 game four 28 game five 49 and that excellent performance with 17 rebounds and assists game six 32 11 and three and then game seven 48 nine and six and if it wasn't for the fact that Durant likes to wear a shoe shot, a shoe size too big. He would have, he would have sent the Bucks home on that phenomenal, uh, on that phenomenal shot with one second to go in regulation, which tied, which tied up the game. Um, and the, and the, him and Giannis made history uh, as being, uh, as being the only a third uh, set of players in NBA playoff history with 40 plus points in a in a playoff game seven. Durant and Giannis did. Giannis had 40 points. Durant had 48. 2008 was the was the most recent time prior to Saturday night in which that happened, in which LeBron James dropped 45, Paul Pierce dropped 41, Sam Jones in 63 dropped 47, and Oscar Robinson dropped 43. A phenomenal performance by Kevin Durant who left it all out there on the floor. Um, only 11 players scored in Game 7. That's the fewest in any NBA game since the merger. Um... Uh, every NBA, uh, let's see here, is that it, is that all I wanted to tell you guys, yes it is, yes it is, yeah, oh, and this is the first time since 94 that the, that both number one seeds in the NBA playoffs failed to make the conference finals, which is a tremendous segue to the Philadelphia 76ers, who, are just the complete and absolute disgrace. And when it rains, it pours with with the 76ers. I mean, no harm. I mean, and that game seven, I mean, and I'm a more harp on Ben Simmons than I did, and you heard me nearly have a brain aneurysm when I went off on him last week. But I said it last Thursday, and I'll say it again. What in the living hell is Ben Simmons good for as a point guard, 
on a playoff basketball team if he cannot, if he doesn't have a jump shot because he stinks at shooting it and he chooses not to take jump shots and he can't make free throws. What the hell? Like, I don't understand it. I, wh what is he good for? I mean, honest to God, what the hell is Ben Simmons good for when he's on the court, especially in the fourth quarter and a playoff game? What is he good for? Because what I'm seeing, what he's good for is in the fourth quarter in this series, game one took two shots, game, game two and game two took zero shot, didn't take a shot in game two, took one shot in game three, and took zero shots games four through seven. This is a point guard, okay? A point guard in the NBA who is getting paid, and I have not forgotten about this, and, I, and you bet your ass I'm going to bring it up one more time. A point guard in the NBA who is getting paid $177 million plus dollars over a five-year period, getting paid $30.5 million this season, who did not take a jump shot in, the, in all of the fourth quarters in games one through seven in the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Atlanta Hawks. He is getting paid $177 million plus dollars over a five-year period, and he cannot and he can't take more than one or two jump shots in a playoff series in a fourth quarter. You must be kidding me. You must be kidding me. What in the hell is Ben Simmons good for when he's on the court? And that is a serious question. What What is he good for? What is he good for? He chooses not to take jump shots, and he stinks at the free throw line. Stinks. I gave you the stat last week where he had missed more free throws than three whole teams competing in a 2021 NBA playoffs. He missed 48 free throws. 48 free throws in 12 playoff games. He made 25 free throws on 73 attempts. That is a 34% free throw shooting percentage. That is the worst free throw shooting in the history of the NBA playoffs. And this chump, this Muppet, is getting paid $177 plus million dollars to essentially be the equivalent of a human garbage can on the basketball court. This team has no guts. This team has no toughness. This team has no grit. Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris getting paid combined over $300 plus million, and they stink. Ben Simmons especially. And all I ever hear about Ben Simmons, oh, what, a, uh, what an all-star he is, what a great player he is. This kid's going to be special one day, on and on and on and on and on. And for $177 million, he is beyond, beyond pathetic when the basketball is in his hands. I mean, this guy had a wide open dunk underneath the basket and he bypassed it and passed the basketball. Would Magic Johnson, would Allen Iverson, would, would 
Kyrie Irving, would would uh, Seth Curry, would Clay Thompson, would James Harden, would Damian Lillard ever, ever, ever in an NBA playoff game when they have the ball underneath the basket pass up a wide open gimme of a dunk in a playoff game, let alone in a game seven? Would they ever ever do anything as dumb as that? Would Isaiah Thomas do anything as asinine as that? Ever? The answer is no. And over the final three games of this series, Ben Simmons combined for 19 points in the final three games of this series. 19 points. This man is getting a hundred is getting paid $177 million, and all you can give me in a playoff series is 19 freaking lousy points in the final three games. The final three games of an NBA playoff series. You gotta be kidding me, Ben Simmons. Again, what are you good for? What are you good for? Getting paid a hundred and seventy-seven million plus dollars. What the hell are you good for? What are you good for? You can't take, you don't choose to take jump shots. When you do, you, brick, you, you lay up more bricks than Bob the Builder, for Christ's sakes. You can't make a damn free throw with the fate of the universe depending on it. What the hell do you do positively on a positive, from a positive standpoint, when the 76ers have the ball, when you're on the court, what the hell do you do positively to help your team win when the ball is in their possession? Nobody cares about your stupid dopey assists and your rebounds. Oh, no one in, a, in America gives a damn. Put the ball in the, in the hoop for, for God's sakes. Nobody gives a crap about your stupid assists and your rebounds. No one gives a damn about your lousy 13 assists and your 8 rebounds. Put the ball in the hoop, damn it. I don't get it. Playing 36 minutes of a of a of a game seven at home in the postseason, and all you and you can only attempt only attempt four jump shots, really. And 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 five points, and and I gotta listen to people sitting up here and tell me all all over all over all over the media. I gotta sit up here and listen to people tell me all all over all across uh, all of across uh, the sports media that Ben Simmons is going to be a championship caliber uh, point guard in this league. Give me a freaking break. Give me a break. You aren't winning with Ben Simmons. Period. You aren't you aren't winning with him. You aren't you aren't winning with him. This guy is allergic, allergic to the prime time spotlight that is playoff basketball. There is no excuse in the final three games of a playoff series why you combine. You're not hurt. You're not injured. There's no excuse. You didn't get into any foul trouble. There's no excuse. Why, in the final three games of a playoff series, you combine for 19 points and you're getting paid 30 plus million a year. There's, there's, no excuse, there's no excuse for that. None whatsoever. 
No excuse. No excuse for it whatsoever. Getting paid $177 million over a five-year period, and all you can give me in a fourth quarter is 19 lousy freaking points. Are you kidding me? Again, I could care less about the assists, could care less about, about the rebounds. Not interested. Put the damn ball in the hoop. This is a game seven of a conference semifinals playoff series, and I got Ben Simmons passing up an easy dunk that I could have made to pass the basketball because he's either scared to shoot or he doesn't feel like shooting. I mean, to say that it's embarrassing would be an understatement. And again, Doc Rivers vomiting all over himself once again in a playoff series. Blew the 3-1 lead to Denver when he was with the Clippers this year. And then he comes and then he comes to and then he comes to the 76ers, gets them the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and gets bounced in the second round. Three out of the last four years that the that the Philadelphia 76ers have been in the playoffs, they've gotten bounced in the second round. Three out of the last four years, they've lost in the conference semifinals. And all I ever heard about, I swear to God, all I ever heard about for the last five years or so, five, for the last four or five years is trust the process, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. All I ever heard about uh, Embiid, Simmons, Markel Fultz, who stinks, uh, Tobias Harris getting paid millions, who couldn't, who was terrible in game, in game, uh, in game six or get, no game five. All I ever heard about trust the process, trust the, to hell with the trust the process garbage. Nobody cares, and I'm not interested. Nobody cares about the stupid trust the process. What what? And, uh, and here's what I want to ask the Philadelphia 76ers: What exactly is trusting the process? Getting eliminated three out of the last four years in a conference semifinals is that trusting the process? Is that trusting the process? Is that trusting the process? He took two jump shots in game one, one jump shot in game three, and zero jump shots in games two and games four through four through seven in the fourth quarter of this series. And this man is getting paid $177 plus million over a four-year period to come, come playoff time when the 76ers need him and he's supposed to be their second best player. And I got Ben Simmons not even attempting a damn jump shot in one, two, three, four, five games in this series. Really? And I don't want to hear, well, he didn't have a chance to develop this, didn't have a chance to develop that, you know... I don't want any excuses from Ben Simmons. None. Getting paid $177 million over a five-year period, 6'10", 6'11". Have the balls and have the guts to take over these games and to make your presence felt in the point column in the box score. 
It wasn't like that you got bounced in the fourth or the fifth game where you didn't have a chance to, to come out of your shelf, so to speak, as far as your offensive performance, as far as scoring points. You played, you, the series went the distance. You played the full seven games. You weren't hurt and you weren't in, in any foul trouble throughout the entire series. No excuses. You had a wide open dunk and a game seven at home and you passed it up. Like it was a collection play at church and you you took it and you said, I don't want to hear you take it. You have it. Embarrassing and absolutely disgraceful. He, he, he disgraced the Philadelphia 76ers organization. On on uh, in, in this series and in this series altogether, forget 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 just Sunday. Throughout this entire series, embarrassed them. Embarrassed them. He embarrassed the seventy six organization. Embarrassed every single person that has ever played for the Philadelphia seventy sixes in their franchise history. Embarrassed them. Allen Iverson, Doctor J, Barkley, embarrassed them. Embarrassed them. So I don't hear anything, anything else about the 76ers and that trust the process nonsense. You can go ahead and stick it where the sun don't shine. I don't want to hear not another word and not another peep out of the 76ers and trust the process and Ben Simmons and all that other nonsense. I'm done and I don't want to hear it anymore. Because when because when this team is 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 tested mentally and physically to get off the schneid, show some guts and to have the balls, the balls to show some mental toughness and to get off the schneid and to show some fight and to show some grit, they fail every single freaking time. Three out of the last four years, they've gotten eliminated in the second round. Ben Simmons getting paid $177 million to not attempt a jump shot in a fourth quarter of a playoff series. And I got to hear about Ben Simmons being a big-time NBA player. Child, please. Child, please. I do not want to hear another word about Ben Simmons and him being a championship caliber player. That's out the window now. You can have him. On my, not a, not a chance in hell. If it was my team, not a chance in hell. He's on it. When he's supposed to be the second best player. On a team that's supposedly trying to trying to compete for championships. After I heard nothing but trust the process, trust the process for the last five plus years. To hell with the Philadelphia 76ers. Enough. A quick step before we move on to the Suns and the Clippers. Hawks are the, are the uh, only the second team under the current playoff format since 84 to make the conference finals with zero all-stars. Um, let's see. Uh, was that the only one I had for you? Oh, and players, NBA players, and play, uh, every NBA player in playoff history with a 40-point triple-double, um, tying it into Booker and uh, Kevin Durant and the job that they've done. They've added their list the name of Luka. Uh, Jerry West, Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Barkley, LeBron, uh, and Oscar uh, and Oscar Robinson. That was uh, on the twentieth on a Sunday. That on Father's Day, that was uh, Devin Booker's first career triple double in the f- absolutely phenomenal game that he had. Uh, as we switch gears, first Suns player with a forty point triple double since Barkley at ninety three. That's the story. Uh, that's the story. Um, 
with uh, with uh, with the Suns. Hawks are the fifth team since 1980. 41 years to make the conference finals after a midseason coaching change. The other four went on to win the whole thing. The 80 Lakers with Paul Westhead. The 82 Lakers with Pat Riley in 2006 Heat with Pat Riley as well. Uh, oh, and also with the with the 76ers as well. You know, how do you explain the fact, you know, they drafted Markel Fultz, which ended up being a complete bust over Jason Tatum, and let Jimmy Butler go and paid Tobias, and paid Tobias Harris nine figures, getting paid 30, 30 and a half million a year. Enough with the freaking trust the process. I've had it. I, I I don't want to hear not 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 another word. Done, done. And according to Stephen A. Smith, Ben I don't want to hear anything about Ben Simmons and 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 the fact that he suffers with the yips and all this other and all this other gooberish crap. Because according to Stephen A. who worked in Philadelphia for 17 years at the Philadelphia Inquirer, Ben Simmons a source told him that Ben Simmons doesn't work, doesn't listen. Everyone that works around him is somehow related to him, and he's constantly babied. If there's any truth to that, enough, enough of Ben Simmons. Whether there's any truth to that or not, I really could care less. But if there is truth to this, which it makes it even nine times worse. Cause, cause you, cause you just essentially just taking a just just taking a check, getting putting your uniform on. You know, doing a little, uh, doing doing a little cute stuff with the rebounds and the assists, but essentially just half-assing it and watch and take and taking your team down with the ship, which which is so disgraceful that Ben Simmons better pray to God that that the that the source to Stephen A. Smith is being inaccurate, because because if there's any truth and there's any merit to this, Ben Simmons will will never survive this, and he might as well bend over and kiss his ass goodbye. Because 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 of because of because of that is true, that is completely, completely, completely disgraceful. Switching gears now to Phoenix and the and the Clippers, who had a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. That was a phenomenal basketball game uh, last night on Tuesday night, game two between them and the Los Angeles Clippers. An absolute performance for the ages, the ages uh, that those two teams conducted on Tuesday night. But that was an absolute, I mean, if you didn't love that game on Tuesday night, you're, you're, not, you're not a basketball fan because that is as great and as competitive and I was choppy and I was choppy as hell with the 9 million video replays. The last 90 seconds of that game took 33 minutes. There were as many reviews as there were field goals made in the game and when uh, Patrick Beverly flopped with a minute left in the fourth quarter, the game did not end until a half hour later and that and give Monty Williams, who has coached his ass off, he along with Tyron Lue, they've both done a phenomenal job in the postseason so far, and have and are just a, and are just as as valuable reasons why their respective teams are in the conference finals as the guys that suit up on the court uh, that suit up on the court for him. He drew up as gr- one of the greatest uh, game-winning plays I've ever seen in my years of watching play of watching playoff basketball. I mean, this. I mean, you go. Ahead, you, you go ahead and you look. Give all the credit. Give credit to first off. First off, they took that play from Jay Chariano, who uh, who uh, who um, 
who knew the rule that uh, who knew the rule that uh, that there's no goaltending when you inbounded when you on an inbound play where you essentially have no choice but to lob it when there's less than a second left uh, prior to you know less than a second left left in the quarter and the Suns won on the same play with uh, Tyson Chandler in 2007 in 2017 they had Devin Booker who had his nose all busted up when he and Patrick Beverly collided in the second half had him uh, had him set a screen to Zubak who had a tremendous block which got um which got the Clippers back into it late in the fourth quarter had had Booker set a block to Zubak slowing down his momentum for just as little as a second to slow down his momentum so Aiton could get about a it was about a was about a step ahead of uh Zubak on the on the inbound lob that 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 got him just amount it was inches of separation that allowed Aiton to catch the ball to catch the ball and throw it into the rim in order for them to win the game you also had Jake Crowder on the inbound pass who was about an who was about a foot less than that away from hitting it off the off the uh, right corner of the off the right side of the backboard so he had to have a it had to be the perfect pass with Boogie Cousins large behind uh, you know protecting of the inbound pass and you had and it was just a phenomenal play you had and you had eight. You had eight and we had eight and swing. You had eight and come inside. I mean, it was just a it was a phenomenal play. You had Booker set the pick. He had Booker set the pick in the middle, and you, it was just a it was a, it was a basketball. If you are a NBA, if you are a basketball fanatic and you love NBA coaching, or if you're a uh, or if you're a basketball coach yourself, how could you not love that play? You could have not under any circumstances have drawn up that play better than that. Now what? Now what? The controversy lies and Jeff Van Gundy made the point on Tuesday night is that the Phoenix the Phoenix had no timeouts left and benefited from that extra timeout of being of having no timeouts because they replayed on and on and on and on and on every you know did the ball go off of Booker's foot did Booker dribble out of bounds did it go off of Zubak's foot going out of bounds you know and on the three-point shot that they didn't have to make because they were only because they were only it was 103 to 102 any jump a jump shot of any kind wins the game when you're down by one point they didn't have to take that three there which could have been costly but they had, but they took nine million years to replay what, how much time was left on the clock when the ball went out of bounds off the off the missed shot, uh, which which allowed Monty Williams and the Suns to go back and use that quote unquote extra timeout to to draw up that play that allowed them to that allowed Crowder to inbound the ball to Aiton for that uh, for that Valley Oop as they're going to call it to win the game and take and give the Suns a two zero series lead. I made the point whether or not you know if the Clippers could do it for the. Third third straight series in a row and come off the schneid and dig themselves out of their uh, hole that they dug themselves into being down 2-0 in this series. We'll see if they will respond properly as game three and the series heads to uh, Los Angeles in the Staples Center. It sounds like that Chris Paul might be, is probably going to be available for game three uh, coming out of the COVID protocols. Still no ruling and still no word on Kawhi Leonard yet. But hopefully, you know, you love to see you love to see Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul get back at at at, at around the same time because obviously, if the you know because they've been evenly matched the first two games of the series, then you have Chris Paul coming back and Kawhi Leonard still nowhere to be found. You're going to have to give the give the Phoenix Suns the the upper hand because they've been on fire 
the last two games uh, without without Chris Paul, and they've been absolutely out of their mind uh, now that uh, with uh, with when Chris Paul has been there on the court, um, and they've won. They've on they're on a nine game winning streak. They have not lost a game. They have not lost the game. Uh, game slash playoff game since game three of the opening series against the Lakers. That game was on May 27th. They've won nine games in a row and have and have not lost the game in nearly, there's no exaggeration, nearly a complete an entire month. So the Phoenix Suns are just clicking on all cylinders right now. Aiton give him all the credit in the world for just for just the maneuverability and the awareness and out jumping Zubak and making sure that he got his hands on that basketball to bring it home. Phenomenal job by them. Phenomenal job by the Suns knowing uh, by uh, knowing that rule about the uh, with the goaltending about knowing that rule with the uh, with the interference and, and knowing that uh, knowing that that situation is out the door when it's uh, when. You have to when it's an inbound lob with you when you have less than a second left to go in a quarter. Good job for the 76 of having the awareness and having the basketball IQ to know the rules. Phenomenal job by Monty Williams and the uh, and the and the Phoenix Suns coaching staff. Aiden had 24 points, 12 to 15 from the field, 14 rebounds and assists uh, in the game. Jay uh, not Jay Crowder, but Cameron Payne had a hell of a game and has had a hell of a postseason so far. 29 points, a rebound, nine assists. Uh, 12 to 24 from the field. Devin Booker, 5 of 16 from the field. Wasn't great. Got into foul trouble. Had five fouls and got into foul trouble in that second half, but had a good night as well. Showed great toughness. Great, uh, showed a great amount of, uh, mental toughness coming back and dealing with his nose all busted up and nose plugs and nose plugs up his nostrils with the collision with the, with the, with the, uh, gruel, with the, what's the word I'm trying to find? The grim the grim collision that he and Patrick Beverly had uh it's phenomenal job by Phoenix absolutely phenomenal job and how about uh and how about um Paul George who scored who had 26 points 10 of uh 10 of uh 23 from the field uh and but was one of eight from behind the arc three points and miss and and that's and that's where this uh if you want to outside of the, the inbound uh, play with Crowder and Aiton how about when uh how about when uh Paul George got sent to the free throw line when the Clippers were up one with were up one in the late in the late seconds of that basketball game got to the free throw line and missed both of his free throws where if up by one point he makes a one out of the two of them a two ties it a three wins it and if he makes both of them that the Phoenix Suns in their next possession have to have to hit a have to, have to hit a, a a three ball in order to tie the game and send it in overtime. Paul George misses both of the free throws, keeps uh, keeps Phoenix within one point, and and it sets up a and it set and it puts Phoenix in a in a wonderful situation where a shot a two or a three ends up winning the game. And they nearly got burned when they took the three with about, what, about a second and change left in the fourth quarter. They nearly got burned there. The ball went out of bounds off of the Clippers. They had one more chance to take a, to take a stab at it, and they go with the inbound lob 
all again down by one point or two obviously wins the game down 103 102 the inbound pass to Aiton he slams it brings it home and next thing you know the Phoenix Suns up two games to none and have, and win game two in an absolute classic of an NBA conference finals playoff game so Paul George uh, and I even tweeted when he missed when he missed those two free throws. I even tweeted hashtag pandemic P because oh, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate because it's like you know every single time he has a bad playoff game, he gets ribbed on. But also at the same time, you know, if you don't want to get ribbed on, you got you got to perform when your team needs you. Granted, he had a phenomenal performance against Utah the last in the last two games of that series. But I mean, that's all out the window now. It's a new series, new game, new team. When you're sent to the free throw line, when your team is up one, and you need and you need to sink both of those free throws to put the pressure on Phoenix to where the worst they can do is tie the game and send it in overtime, and you can't and you can't nail those two free throws, and you were pathetic from three again one of eight not good enough and 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 western conference playoff basketball it's not that's that's not that's not good enough that's not good enough and it gives monty williams and the Suns all the credit for knowing the rules and drawing up that phenomenal play it's just chef's kiss chef's kiss you could not execute that play any better than that could not execute it any better devin booker showed great toughness and showed some guts uh, Aiton had a Aiton and Payne had a hell of a night. Phenomenal job from Phoenix. Phenomenal job. Long segment, but had a lot to recap. Uh, that's what happens when you take uh, six days off in between shows. Had a lot to recap. Nearly an hour in, but we're just getting started. I will get to the Eastern Conference Finals coming up next. I'm Telekatia's podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelicatelius podcast. Uh, it's going to be a long-ass summer for the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, and, and again, if you think after watching that series, and I'll say it again and then I'll put it to bed, if you think after watching that playoff series that Ben Simpson's A, going to be a big-time NBA player, and B, going to deliver a championship, especially and specifically as a member of the Philadelphia 76ers, you need your freaking head examined. There's no excuse we's getting paid we's getting paid thirty plus million dollars a year why only why only in two games he attempts to take a jump shot two or three however many two two games no there's no excuse for that in games four through seven he doesn't even bother to take a jump shot and in a game seven of a home playoff game he's sitting there right underneath the basket with a dunk served served to him on a silver platter and he chooses to pass the basketball. Enough of Ben Simmons, enough of the Philadelphia 76ers who passed over Jason Tatum to, to take uh, Markel Fultz, that bust, and then let Jimmy Butler go astray, and they signed Tobias Harris to the to the nine-figure fortune that that they signed him to. All for Tobias Harris to to not to not make a shot off a boat into the Atlantic Ocean in Game Five last week. Enough. Yep, give the Hawks credit. Get they've played their asses off, Trey Young, whole nine. But 
that number one seed, that, that's disgraceful. And again, three out of the last four years, they've gotten bounced in the conference semifinals. Something's got to give. This is ridiculous. Anyway, going to the Eastern Conference Finals between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, this is who it tips off tonight on Wednesday. Going to be a very interesting and intriguing series. We'll see if uh, if the Hawks' magical run uh, that that is that consisted of taking care of the Knicks in five games and uh, taking care of the Knicks in five games in that hostile environment and taking care of uh, taking care of of course um, uh, Philadelphia in the second round of that hostile environment having to go to full distance the full seven games we'll see uh, we'll see if they have any magic left in the bottle uh, if they have any pixie dust less uh, pixie dust left in what has been an absolutely magical and unbelievable season for the Atlanta Hawks they're going to run into a buzzsaw that uh, you know that uh, that whose time is as good as ever to finally get over the hump and make the and make uh, the NBA Finals and win the Eastern Conference. Uh, they showed tremendous grit uh, and did not give up. Give them to their credit; they did not give up uh, when they uh, looks like their backs were against the wall and they were going to and they were down for the count and were dead and lifeless and uncompetitive and embarrassing the first two games of their series against Brooklyn. They got off the schneid there, fought back, took the series the full seven games, and despite Kevin Durant's phenomenal historic performance in that series, they found a way to win and to send the uh, and to pull off the upset and to send the Brooklyn Nets home. Um, so you, so you wonder if they'll be hungry. They they knocked they took down the top dog in the Eastern Conference that was Brooklyn. Uh, they got their revenge at when they didn't show up against uh, Miami in the playoffs last year. They got their revenge by a by a quick four game sweep to kick off the postseason in late in late May. So you wonder if this will be the time, uh, and if this is the uh, and if this is the uh, Giannis and, and the Milwaukee Bucks time to finally get over this hurdle and to uh, win the Eastern Conference championship and make it into the NBA Finals, and this would be no better time to do it. Don't get me, uh, Atlanta is not to be taken lightly under any circumstances. Uh, Philadelphia and the Knicks found that out the hard way. Trey Young is an absolute beast and is an absolute assassin. He will be hungry and chomping at the bit and raring to go to uh, to get the Hawks to the NBA Finals. Um, but it's been a... But, you know, you have to. You wonder if it, if it really is the Bucks' time. They got their revenge against the Heat in the first round. They showed tremendous grit after being down uh, 2-0 in this series and le looked like left for dead against Brooklyn. Came back, fought back. Granted, you know, if uh, if Irving and Harden aren't injured, the Bucks to win this series got to be completely fair and honest. But even though they let uh, Kevin Durant go off and have the playoff series of his life, they didn't uh, make it the coup de grace to their uh, championship hopes. Staying alive, they got to, you know, their defense, P.J. Tucker, uh, Giannis, they got to play lockdown defense and, and make sure that uh, that that ginger that outscored uh, Ben Simmons, which I forgot to mention in the previous segment. What an absolute joke that is! That let some no name, and I'll get I'll pull up his name in a minute because I just cannot believe the the uh, the, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, what uh, or excuse me, the 76ers. They let um, 
Kevin Hooter. Is that his name? Yeah, Kevin Hooter uh, dropped tw drop, uh, 27 points, 10 of 18 from the field. And Ben Simmons getting paid, uh, getting paid a hell of a lot more money than Kevin Hooter is. Can't even bother to attempt a jump shot in the fourth quarter of a game seven. I mean, my goodness gracious. But, you know, will he, will he be a factor for Atlanta? Remains to be seen. Um, they've been clicking on all cylinders. Gallinari, you know, who's who's contributed a bunch in the postseason. Of course, Clint Capella has made his presence known by, uh, and then it's Kevin Hooter who went off in Game Seven. May, is is it the Bucks' time, or are the Hawks, or are the Hawks the team and the flavor of the year? And that miracle team that looks like they were left for dead come midseason when they had the coach fired. And now all of a sudden they're going to find their way into the NBA playoffs. Remains to be seen. I think if you want a prediction out of me, I think this series has the potential to go. Has the, has the potential to go the full seven games. Um, I think that you know they both the, the both the two teams they score differently. The uh, the Atlanta Hawks love the love the jump shot, while the uh, while the Milwaukee Bucks love to beat you with the mid range and attacking inside in the paint. Um, so they both play a different uh, brand of basketball. They're gritty, gutty teams and know how to make defensive stops uh, when the you know when the time is right and crunch time. Uh, I think this series will go to full seven games, and I will take. Hmm. I'll take Atlanta in seven. Trey 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 Young has just been absolutely out of this world, and even though they took care of business against the Nets, I still don't quite fully trust the Milwaukee Bucks. I, it's just something. It's something in me just says. Uh, I don't. Regardless who wins this series, I don't think they win the winning. My honest estimation, in my opinion, I think the winner of the Western Conference Finals is going to win the whole thing. On the East, you know, I don't think the winner of uh, of this series is going to win the NBA Finals, regardless who they play that comes out of the West. But I, I, I'm just, I'm not quite confident in uh, in Milwaukee yet, for whatever the reason. I, I feel like I can, I feel like I can trust. Atlanta a little bit more than I can uh, than I can Milwaukee. Now, now having said that, you know Atlanta's had to face a little bit of adversity, but I don't know. Just something within me just does not trust Milwaukee to bring home the goods and to win the Eastern Conference. I don't know how. I don't know why. It's just my intuition. And in fact, in my estimation, I think that Trey, I think that Trey Young's dominance is going to reign more than Giannis or than anything Giannis or uh, or uh, Chris Middleton can do, because they have been very they have been very iffy in this postseason. Not that uh, not that Trey Young hasn't had his uh, hasn't had a couple of bad moments this postseason either. But I think at this point in time, I trust the Atlanta Hawks more. In a best of seven series than I do uh, the Bucks, because I because also part of me feels like that that beating the Nets and going the full seven games to beat the Nets and having to overcome Kevin Durant's phenomenal offense performances and everything else took so much out of Milwaukee that that you know that you fear that they may not have anything left in the tank.
You know, I mean, you I mean, you saw that overtime period on Saturday night. There was like two, I think it was like a combined maybe two or three baskets made throughout that entire overtime period. I mean, those two teams were running on fumes. They were gassed. Gassed. And you wonder if uh if Milwaukee has what it takes to win four more games to uh win the the to win the 2021 NBA Eastern Conference Championship. But that's where you stand as far as the Eastern Conference Finals is concerned. I will close out the show with my two cents on this whole debacle as far as Major League Baseball and these illegal substances and these pitchers getting bent out of shape and everything else. This is the Amatel Katia's podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Telecatelius podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball, who had who had an eventful night uh, themselves on Tuesday night, unlike the NBA for all the wrong reasons, because it was just an absolute firestorm and a dumpster fire on Tuesday night. You ha- as far as the uh, Major League Baseball putting into effect uh, the umpires inspecting these pitchers of uh, the of these illegal substances, and it came to a full force on Tuesday night. Yeah, Max Scherzer who flipped out and was rattled and was going crazy uh, because Joe Girardi, the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, felt the need to have him check three. They're going to do it once due to league protocol, but uh, Girardi made sure that he was checked three times by the umpires and... Davey Martinez, the uh, the Nationals manager, didn't like it, didn't appreciate it, and he and Sergio were getting into screaming matches with Girardi, who wanted to fight the Nationals dugout and got thrown out of the game yesterday. I mean, it's and Sergio Romo, uh, the pitcher for reliever for the Oak for the A's, uh, nearly got naked right there on the field when he got inspected uh, yesterday. And then you had Peralta, the pitcher for the uh, for the Milwaukee, for the Milwaukee Brewers, that had his glove confiscated because it was because of some gooberish reason. It was too light, or the color wasn't right, or whatever it was. Anyway, it's just been it's stupid. It's just been completely stupid, completely asinine, and it's. Just just been a complete dumpster fire um it's i mean I, I don't know i mean it's just just been so crazy where you know i understand that we want to cut down and rightfully so end the epidemic within the sport that is cheating uh which which has just been which has just gone completely just 
haywire and just ridiculously off the rails as far as these pitchers using illegal substances uh, for the longest time. I understand that we want to end all that, but at what point are we going to draw the line where we can't essentially make a mockery out of the sport and have these guys doing strip teases to prove to the umpires that they're not using the illegal substances? For one, any pitcher that is dumb enough to be using the illegal substances while this mandate has just been you know, recently enforcing these umpires or are checking these guys like crazy to make sure that they're not using the illegal substances. Any pitcher that's dumb enough to use them under the, you know, and not essentially lack, and lacking self-awareness and being defiant and being uh, stupid and asinine about it, you know, they need their head examined and any, and they wouldn't, and a lot, and you would figure that a lot of the pitchers wouldn't be dumb enough to risk getting caught uh, while this uh, while this is under while this is uh, while essentially the the entire MLB pitchers are under surveillance, so that's the first thing. Second thing is uh, the few pitchers gotta calm down. You know, I understand first surgers is getting frustrated, but sure, but it, it, but the re part of the reason why Girardi was doing it was because he realized that sure that hey this is this is bothering Scherzer. This is this is getting him annoyed. This is getting him flustered. This is potentially going to throw him off his game. So so there's like an element of gamesmanship, not even necessarily looking to see if he's cheating, but just to get him mentally rattled and off his game to help the Philadelphia Phillies have a better chance uh, to help the Phillies have a better chance of winning the game. So more than anything else, that's the number one reason why, uh, or one of the reasons why I think Girardi was doing it the other night is because he was like, "Hey, this this obviously is bothering is bothering Scherzer, and uh, and I'm gonna keep on doing it because it's obvious that he doesn't like it and that he's annoyed by it. So I'm gonna keep on doing this to see if I can throw him off his game and play and you know play chess when he's playing checkers and playing and play mind games with him. That's the first thing. But also, if Girardi's doing it because he said, "quote Well, he said, "quote Well, I saw Scherzer." Or wiping his forehead like I've never seen him wipe his forehead before. Hey, hey, Joe, it's it's June, okay? It's not it's not April, it's not October, it's June, okay? If Scherzer's wiping his forehead because he's out there sweating bullets because it's eighty something degrees outside when he's up here pitching in a major league baseball game. So that's the so uh, he was he was a little extra and he was being obnoxious and being um as what as what the younger generation calls doing too much and being extra about it so i understand scherzer's and the nationals frustrating frustration because it's like well how many times are you going to check it's obvious that he does that he isn't going to put uh and he isn't going to put anything on himself so why bother keep on checking him i understand the gamesmanship part of it uh you know playing mental games with scherzer from Girardi's standpoint but it also it just makes no it just makes no complete sense and it's just completely asinine for the umpires who deserve some grief too, for the umpires to continue to oblige by uh, oblige by uh, Girardi's requests because it's because because a it's slowing up the game, b it's becoming a complete and utter distract uh, complete and utter distraction, and c if he's not using the sticky stuff the first time, what makes you think he's using it on the second and third times? Because he knows good and well that if he's using it. He's going to get caught red-handed based on the memo that the, that the commissioner just put out. 
So it's just been a, a complete, it's been just been a complete farce and it's just been completely disgraceful. I under, I mean, I mean, and Major League Baseball to, to, uh, and Manfred takes the hit because these pitchers have been using it for, for the longest time and, and they, and they turn the other cheek and turn a blind eye to it till they couldn't turn a blind eye to it anymore when you had five no hitters in the first two months of the season. So they deserve some hit. They deserve as much grief and as much hits as the pitchers act with that as the pitchers that are lacking the integrity to go out there and use the illegal stuff and, and go and take zero to 100 and cross over the line and cheat so they deserve as much grief as the ones who are sitting up there cheating i said it last week and i not well, if not i said i said it before and i'll say it again I said it last week i said it the week before last if the pitchers don't want to be inspected and if the pitchers uh, this is major League baseball deserves the blame and, and manford who has dropped the ball on this uh, as we've said all over across the place and has been mentioned and brought out to our attention ad infinitum they deserve blame for letting this go on for the longest time and turning a blind eye to it and being reactive instead of proactive and playing their results and playing off of the emotions and the feedback that they're getting from the media and the fans with the ridiculous amount of no hitters and the strikeouts and everything else but but the players are also to blame too, you know. Major League Baseball and Manfred has no reason to put out a memo and has no reason to act to do anything if the players have enough integrity and have enough uh and are and aren't essentially more morally corrupt to the fact that they're gonna that they're gonna go out there and use spider tech and use these illegal substances to screw with the spin rates on these balls. So if the players showed enough integrity and had enough uh, and had enough integrity for the game and integrity for themselves to not cheat, that part of this wouldn't be going on. And then after the fact that you know, all right, they don't have the they don't have the culpability to, to operate in the pitch and and to play with enough moral integrity major league baseball takes the hit and it should take some hits in the commission rightfully so because they let this because they let this uh, sticky stuff with the baseballs go on for the longest time and they turned a and they turned a blind eye to it or they made up reasons or made excuses for it uh instead of nipping it in the bud right then and there and being reactive instead of proactive so and you can't sit up here and have these guys essentially, you know, strip tease for strip tease for for the women watching on TV and the women sitting in the stands. You can't essentially have them strip tease, you know, to make to prove to the umpires uh, in the in the one and alone and only time that they're not using the sticky stuff. So you can't sit up here and have that. You can't also have to sit up here and have managers, the Joe Girardi's of the world, use this as a gamesmanship, uh, use this as a little gamesmanship uh, widget in his toolbox to to try to to see if the if uh if the opposing pitcher is going to get rattled or is going to get annoyed for getting repeatedly checked every once every uh 10 pitches so you can't sit up here and have that because that also feeds into part of the problem with the sport that the that, that uh, of the uh, of the pace of the game that the games to take too damn long to complete so it's just been a complete mess and a complete dumpster fire. Uh, and, you know, the commissioner should have handled this. should have nipped this in the bud long before the middle of the season, long before June of 2021. They should have nipped this in the bud prior to the 2021 season, prior to the 2020 season, prior to the 2019 season. They should have nipped this in the bud right then and there at the time. This should have been something that they should have experimented with in spring training, not, not you know, the third month, not three months into the not three months into the into the uh you know into the uh new season 
they should have nipped it. They should have experimented with this in spring training, you know, where not where not that many people care. The games don't matter. The games don't count. Not no one's paying attention to spring training baseball unless you're in attendance at the at the stadiums that fit ten thousand people in them. This should have been addressed right then and there at the time. Be reactive instead of proactive, and that's where the commissioner, who has screwed up, who has screwed up in his position more ways, more ways than one over many circumstances throughout the years. This is where he and the league office has to take some hits because they should have nipped this in the bud right then and there at the time, and not essentially wait for there for there to be five no hitters in the first month and a half of the new season for them to do something about it. But at the same time. They have no reason to act and no reason to put out memos and no reason for the umpires to check out to check out and inspect these pitchers like they're going through TSA at an airport. If the pitchers have enough integrity and have enough uh, and have enough morals within themselves not to go out there and cheat. So and you put the umpires in a tricky spot because the umpires who most of them, you know, who most of them can't can't seem to get calls right. What outplays outplays at outplays on the bases or or their strike zones are absolutely atrocious. So they they're not even good at the jobs that they're naturally designed to do. So that they, they are they can't they can't even do that properly right. And now you're gonna give them extra and reward them extra authority by trying by figuring out uh you know. When it when and when and, and to check and see whether or not these guys are using illegal substances. I mean, come on. And Girardi looks like a hypocrite because this is the same guy who was the manager for the New York Yankees that somehow, some way, allowed Michael Pineda to put a huge slab of pine tar up on his neck for everyone in the world to see, so he can dock. You know, remember that situation when they played Boston a few years back, where he had way put a huge slab of pine, or put a huge slab of pine tar on his neck, so he can access it on you know touch touch his neck and put it on the baseball and alter the baseball that way. Manager of the Yankees allowed Michael Pinay to go out there clear, broad daylight and put a slab of pine tar on his neck, which, which, which by the letter of the law is cheating, doctoring the baseball using pine tar. He allowed he allowed him to he allowed him to do it and got and, got, and get, he got caught doing it when he was the manager of the Yankees. Now all of a sudden he's with the Philadelphia Phillies and he and he wants to play uh, he wants to play John Wayne, which is also a little hypocritical and tough to take as well, especially if you're a Washington. Uh, national fan, but it's but it's been a, but it's been it's been completely disgraceful. It's been corrupt. It's been uh, out of order, out of sync, uh, inconsistent, murky. Uh, murky. It's it's just been a huge, a, a huge complete dumpster fire to put it in PG terms for you. I mean, it's 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 been a complete headache. And Major League Baseball, again, in the news for all the wrong reasons. What else is new? But, uh, but again, they, they should, the bottom line is Major League Baseball shouldn't have waited and farted around as long as they did and should have nipped this in the bud as soon as they got immediate word of this and should have been proactive instead of reactive. Because now they're being reactive to this and they're inconveniencing the players. They're holding up the game. They're, ho- they're holding up the game. The game's takes long enough as is they hold up the game even longer with these dopey uh with these dopey inspections and 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 it's become a complete sideshow to the to the actual action that's going on on the baseball field but that's what you get when Rob Manfred is your commissioner of the sport
And that is your show and that is your episode of the I'm Telling It Like a TIS podcast. If you like what you heard and new to the program, please subscribe. Give me, give yours truly a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at I'm Tell It underscore podcast. And show on Twitter at I'm Tell underscore it T-I is. It is your boy Josh Shields. I will talk to you Saturday. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. See ya.